From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 193. It is brought to you this week by Linode, Skillshare, and the Layers Conference. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I'm joined by my two friends in podcasting. Mike Hurley, how are you? Good. Are we friends in real life or just in podcasting? Well, we're friends in real life, but today we're just friends in podcasting because that's as close as we're going to get today. Okay. And uh, we have Mr. Federico Vitici as well. Hi. Uh, I don't think we're friends in podcasting, but we are in real life. So We're not friends in podcasting? Yeah. We have... Uh, well, what is that word, like the word for when you, that somebody is like... They're not like an enemy. Like a friend. It's like an antagonist. An antagonist. <laughs> an antagonist. <laughs> yeah. Is that what I'm yeah, going I, for? Uh, okay. I'm, I'm Steven's antagonist um, yeah. in podcasting. Like you're not enemies, but you're not friends. You kind of like battle it out, you know? We like challenge each other. Yeah. We challenge each other. We have dreams challenge together. Each other. Challenge yourself. Do it by Friday. Let's just move on. It's a different I'm show. It's a different I'm, I'm show. Like different now. people, different everything. Yeah. Okay. Good news. Good news, boys. The Logitech Crayon is now on sale if you're a school. That is good news. I guess look look for them to pop up on eBay at some point in the next couple of right, weeks. That's the thing, right? That's what I was just going to say. Like how how long is it until they start getting smuggled out? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Let's see if there's any up there now. Crayon eBay. Crayon. Um, for context, this uh, this is the the Apple pencil that is not an Apple pencil because it's made by Logitech, but it uses the same tech. Well, kind of the same tech as the Apple pencil, and also some different cool techs but tech but it only works if you remember it only works with the uh with that exact ipad like it doesn't yes. work mm-hmm. with any ipad which makes it no. less appealing everyone was super excited about it but it makes it less appealing because we want to use ipad pros instead i have i've not found it on ebay but i did find the logitech mouse user manual good uh so if you need how a, how, how did you go from the logitech crayon to this book i searched for logitech crayon Nothing showed up, but this was further down the page. This book looks like, looks like it's about 100 pages long, showing you how to use a mouse in uh, 1987 or so. So that'll be in the show notes if you're interested. Uh, you know why you found it? Because in the description it says that it doesn't have marks uh, from pencils or uh, ink or crayon. Oh, yeah, that's how it... Uh, it's, in go- it's in good plus. It's in good plus condition. That's good. Um, yeah, that's good plus. That's my favorite condition. The good plus? I know, yeah. If anyone buys this book and brings it to WBDC, the three of us will sign it for you. <laughs> what are we doing? This? I mean, I would literally sign anything, but... Remember when you signed an iPhone I've two years signed, ago? I've signed a few iPhones now. Mm. I signed a Pixel. Uh, I've signed a bunch of stuff. I like signing things. Okay. Okay, so buy the, buy the mouse book and... Uh, bring it to the live show and Mike mm-hmm. will, will sign it for you and Steven will steal it from mm-hmm. you. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I bought my own copy, boys. Mm. Uh, Mike, you found this and put it in the show notes. This is an amazing leak about the new iPhone SE. Do you want to walk mm-hmm. us through this little bit of information? Project name, blank iPhone SE. Yeah, come Perrin, on, man, no spoilers. Uh, this is from Evan Blass who is Evleeks, who used... Now, was did <laughs> this person work at Boy Genius Report? Am I remembering this correctly? Or was it VentureBeat? I don't know. No, they... They, they work somewhere, but now yeah. they're like... They've, they're they're a, a leaker with, with... Seems to have really good sources everywhere, 
and posts a lot of like pieces of information that end up working out to be true, right? I mean, they, mm-hmm. they seem to have a pretty good track record. Um, and what this looks like is an inventory system somewhere um, has picked up a, a 2018 version of the iPhone SE. Yeah. So there you go. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, to be fair, it looks like any standard text editor. I mean, if you open pages and you create a table and you write project... Yeah, I mean, okay, so, like, it's not proof. Like, he's not showing us a, a, a thing, but if he tweets that, it makes me feel like that it's real, right? Like, just because mm-hmm. he has... Okay. He has a reputation behind him. Yeah, sure. Which is, tends to be pretty good. Tichi, you're not buying. You're not just, like, com- just completely ignoring this, aren't you? I can feel it. It's not that I'm ignoring this. I just I don't see. I try. I know that this person they've been accurate in the past. I just wish they had something more substantial to to back up the claim. Well, sure. You know, like uh, I would. I would prefer an image. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's a, it's <laughs> but, yeah. Screenshot. Sometimes, sometimes you're just gonna take what you can sure, get. Because sure. Okay. I don't know if you're aware, but they've doubled down on secrecy. Also, this is the result. Uh, you only get screenshots yeah. from documents. Just text. Just text. Just text. Yeah, and I'm sure it's like a Best Buy or AT and T inventory system, yep. right? Like it's not, it's not from Apple. So yeah, maybe that soon. You know, there was that story a couple of weeks ago that they had filed uh, some registration stuff in Europe, and you know now it's in this thing. So my guess is that we're getting close to this. Uh, I mean, it's also set in Times New Roman, so you know it's not an Apple document. That's right. It's, it's not SF Mono. So just picking up all the signs I can find. That's good. Man, you're really good at this, Federico. Yeah, I know, right? I should be a blogger. There is a report over on 9to5Mac that iOS 11.4 uh, may be adding calendars to the personal request feature on HomePod. So if you remember, that's the thing on the HomePod where you can have it... Uh, with access to like iMessage and a couple other things and calendars may be uh, coming to this, which I think would be, I think would be great. Well, it was a, it's a huge omission. Like it's just a huge omission. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Federica, I'll ask you, is this enough for you? Is this image enough? So this image here on 9 to 5 Mac shows an icon of the calendar. Like, is that good? Now this is, this is a screenshot taken during setup, during a beta. So it's, it's an actual feature that was uh, active for this person they took a screenshot and then Ram- mr rambo uh, looked into the some plist file i think they saw a reference to the calendar uh, feature so it's a, it's a much better leak uh, because it's not a leak it's a it's a feature that was then removed so uh, so this is like on the tg leak scale this is good right like this is on this the is good, good this is good plus on my tg leak scale good uh, plus yes interesting yes. so just so we can understand some of the parameters of this scale uh-huh. uh what was the iphone se like how did that well score? the iphone the iphone se is uh, inferior minus um inferior minus okay. yes so yes. is there an inferior and a good and like What's in the middle? So we've got inferior minus, inferior something good, good plus. So we go we go from uh, nightmare, which is the the last one, uh, to inferior minus, Whoa. to inferior, to decent, to normal, to good, good plus, and best I love you. That's uh, the, the <laughs> it's the last one. <laughs> wow! You should make this. Somebody should make this scale. Uh, I know it's going to be on the next connected T-shirt. <laughs> And great, all the leaks on it. 
Yeah. Best I love you. It's best uh, comma can, can, I love can you. I? It's best comma well, I love of you. Of course. course. Of I course. mean, yeah. you've got to think about the grammar. Yeah. Do you have any examples of nightmare and best I love you? Well, uh, <laughs> night <laughs> nightmare is you know when you when you go on those blogs that nobody really mm. reads and they claim to have leaks and they make up like they 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 show you a concept and it, they say that that's a leak. I see this type of okay. practice happening mm. on Italian blogs all the time. That's nightmare level uh, nightmare. because it's not a leak. It's also a concept. Best I love you is like the HomePod. Best I love you is like the right? HomePod. Yes. Best I love you is like finding the uh, the iPhone 10 <laughs> name or the HomePod or uh, there was something else I believe. Um, but yeah, that that's the the, t- the touch bar the, was leaked too in that a Mac see, OS build. That's, yeah, that was the best like I love you. when you when you go to the to the to the person and you just give them a, give them a good hug and it's like I love you for, for this leak. Thank you. Uh, that that's you know you're the best. The last stage. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Best I love you. All right. Well, uh, the first person to come up with a graphic for that, we will include it in the show notes <laughs> and probably a t-shirt at some point. Yeah. Best I love you. <laughs> Best I love you. So, uh, Federico, you have this idea in the show notes that Apple should launch a HomePod beta program. And this is this is one of the things, this happens sometimes where one of the two of you will come up with something and like I wish so hard that I thought of it first. Like this is such a good idea. So do you want to walk us through like what you envision this this mythical beta program being like? Man, I, I don't think I came up with it. Uh, I mean, other people on Twitter. You put it in the document, so I mean... So- in the world of the three of us, our, you it's won. A, it's a very tiny world, uh, but yes, I, I put it in the document. And the idea would be that uh, the HomePod is a is a voice device, and it deals with all kinds of voice based requests in natural language. Um, you know, people have different ways of asking things, and we see this with Siri all the time. That you know, uh, you ask for something in a in a specific way, it doesn't work. Other times, it works. I wonder if maybe the HomePod should also have a way to let users install betas and try new features before they go straight to the public. Basically, just like it works for iOS and macOS and watchOS, it should be the same for, what's the name, AudioOS, the thing that runs on the HomePod. Um, And I I think that especially because it's a voice-first feature. And Apple is, I mean, we can all admit that Apple is behind when it comes to Siri and when it comes to the intelligence of dealing with certain requests. They could use the help of thousands of beta testers. And I bet that people would be happy, you know, especially the the, the ones with a problem. People like me that we bought two HomePods and there's people with probably three or four HomePods. I would be happy to put one of them in, on, on a beta uh, release and try the new features beforehand and send some feedback because it's what I do with iOS when I really care about you know a new iOS release. Um, I I mean besides all the jokes that you should file a radar and stuff, I do send feedback. I have a list of things that I submit to Apple, and I would be happy to do the same for the HomePod. And honestly, I just think that Apple could use the help of other people because. Yeah, they they you know what they had like five thousand HomePods, uh, bef- uh, in the in the apartments of Apple employees before it came out. What if you could have um, I don't know twenty thousand HomePods, <laughs> all around the globe, uh, in the houses of other people that send you feedback? So it's just an idea. I realize how it might be tricky um, and slow to install a beta release well, on a HomePod. I mean, there, are, there are public betas, right? Like public betas exist now. Um, yeah, this this could this could be part of that. Like is the is the Apple Watch in a public beta? 
No, it's not. Okay. But uh, it's still doable. I mean, uh, you need to install a certificate and all that. And it, the process will probably be slow on the HomePod because it doesn't have an interface. Uh, but it would be similar to the Apple Watch. You do, you do the entire setup from your iPhone mm-hmm. and you install it from your iPhone. So I don't see why not. Uh, maybe maybe we'll see something like this at WWDC. I hope so. I hope so. I hope that Apple treats the HomePod as any other iOS or you know similar device like tvOS and watchOS. Yeah, I would like to see it. Um, if anything, just so it helped push the HomePod along further. Like, I guess more data is always good, but we'll wait and see. Hopefully one day. I reckon probably not until it becomes a little bit more independent, yeah. at least. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Today's show is brought to you in part by Linode. With Linode, you'll have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at just $5 a month for you to get up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under a minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or you're deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. They have the fastest hardware and network options available with fantastic customer support backing everything up. They guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server's up, they want to keep it that way. Linode also offer additional storage. Block storage is now out of beta in uh, Fremont and Newark and they're expanding this um, to all of their data centers by June. And Linode is amazing for tasks like hosting large databases, running a mail server, operating a VPN, and so much more. Linode has a suite of fantastic pricing options available to you. Their plans start at just $5 a month for a gigabyte of RAM, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM available. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com connected, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll get $20 towards any Linode plan. That's four free months on the one gigabyte of RAM plan so you know you can get some real time to kick the tires with that thing and they have a seven day money back guarantee as well you can go to linode.com l-i-n-o-d-e.com slash connected to learn more sign up and take advantage of that 20 dollar credit or use the promo code connected 2018 at checkout our thanks to linode for their continued support of this show and relay fm so uh tweetbot3 was announced yesterday and there was a review uh, on Mac Stories. And this is an interesting one, I think, um, for a few different reasons. Tweetbot, uh, Tapbots have a history of releasing new applications. They've, I think that they've actually been relatively successful with this. So they take an app, they release a new version of that app as a separate app, which you pay for again. Um, they've done this on iOS a handful of times. Um, they've... I don't know if they did it from Tweetbot 1 to 2 on the Mac. I don't remember, but Tweetbot 2 to 3. It's a brand new app in the Mac App Store, um, and it's $10. This is kind of a way that they have they have gotten around upgrade pricing, not doing subscription pricing, that kind of thing. Let me tell you some of the new features. These are the new features as re- like called out on the Tapbot's website. So there's a refreshed UI, and it's immediately obvious. I mean, I, I downloaded Tweetbot 3 and played around with it a little bit before the show today, um, and it looks more akin to the iOS version in a lot of ways, I think, where Tweetbot 2 kind of didn't. Um, like, for example, the addition of a dark mode um, has been added, which I like because that's that's kind of how I'm used to seeing Tweetbot. The iconography is all different. Um, I like the iconography, but I've seen mixed kind of mixed reports of that, like mixed feelings that people have about the way the little icons look. But I like them. I think that they work pretty nice. 
Um, one, it seems also a lot of stuff has kind of moved around in the UI, and there are some peculiar choices. Like, for example, in the little row of icons that sit underneath a tweet to reply and fave and, and retweet, the, the like and retweet buttons have been switched around, and they're in a different order to the iOS version. So on iOS, it is reply, retweet, fave. But on the Mac, it's reply, fave, retweet. And that's really weird to me, and I can't get my head around it. And it's just within 10 minutes of using the app, it like totally broke me. Um, but it, It's also backwards from Twitter.com. So my thought was, oh, they, they are mimicking what's on the website. And I went and looked, and it's backwards from what Twitter does itself. So yeah, I have some questions about that that ordering. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know what's happened there. I would say that that feels like it's wrong. Like it was maybe done wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Um, there is an expandable sidebar. Uh, there are drag and drop columns. So there's kind of more um, customization you can do to make the app bigger and smaller. And you can kind of, you really can kind of make it look like TweetDeck. Um, you, could, you could do some of this stuff in the previous version of TweetBot on the Mac, but this clearly has been built up, like beefed up, and especially with a lot of the uh, drag and drop and, ex- and like the expansion that you can do and stuff like that. So that's, that's one of the new features too. Um, there's a refreshed media viewer with a feature that I do actually think is really awesome, which is you can just hover over media and it will play. Like, so this can be a GIF or a video. I think that's really nice. Like, that's just a nice way to scroll rather than opening every time. It always feels more cumbersome to me to open a GIF or a video on the Mac than on TweetBot on iOS. Um, I don't know why that is. It might be because, like, on iOS, you can just swipe it away again. But on the Mac, you have to, like, either hit a keyboard command or you have to go up and press the close button. It just feels nicer. Like, I tap it and swipe it away, and it just flies into the ether. So I like that you can kind of just do the hovering thing. Um, share extensions. Finally, uh, you can share things to Apple Notes, which I'm very excited about. This should have been added a long time ago, in my opinion, to TweetBot. So I'm pleased that they've got that there. And that they're the new features. They're the new features as described. Um, have I missed anything? I don't know. I, I st- I'm downloading the app now, so... <laughs> I mean, both me I, and Federico have just downloaded it today because, I mean, I haven't been at my Mac since before we recorded today. Uh, but, you know, there... Frankly, there's not a, there's not a ton to see. Like you can you can get an idea for what they've added to the application within five minutes. You can see it, right? Like because oh, yeah. a lot of the features, um, surface level, there's not a lot of like really big stuff. And I'm not saying like surface level isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, I like the visual changes. I love that they've added share extensions. I really like the media viewer. It makes me want to ask a question. I just want to ask a question, all right? And there's there's going to be some stuff we're going to get into in a minute, which changes the answer to this question a lot. But is there a bar that you need to hit for features to charge a customer again? Like, what warrants an upgrade price? Like, what is it? What is it that does that? Because I think a lot of people have been asking that question of like, is there enough in this app to make me pay for it again? And I understand. I trust me. I understand why. Like the reason that I just dropped ten pounds or ten dollars or however much it is. I think it was ten pounds as well on this app. Is I am a big fan of Tweetbot. I love Tweetbot. It's one of one of, if not my favorite iOS app of all time. And I want to support that company. So I will do it. 
same reason that many people listening to this show will do it, but not all, because Tweetbot, I think, has a very large user base. So for everybody else who isn't like super plugged into the indie iOS scene, is this enough? Are you getting enough value in return? Just a question, and I wonder what you guys think. Well, um, I think it's a tough discussion because on one hand, I... I love indie developers and I love the idea that um I mean I've built my career on um talking about indie apps and talking to mm-hmm. indie developers and you know it's what we do at Mac Stories. And I'm the biggest supporter of indie developers and smaller companies. But there's also the problem of despite this feeling of of wanting to support to support your favorite developer and loving the fact that an indie developer can make a product that you really like, you also need to face the reality, the economic reality of the App Store and the fact that not necessarily other people feel the same way that this community does in regard to indie apps and asking for money and supporting your developer. Most people don't want to pay for software, right? And most people, uh, they have a different... um, they they treat money differently when it comes to downloading software because they don't necessarily see the value the same value that we do uh it's a whole discussion we've been through this you know basically for the past 10 years um but when it comes to tweetbot 3 and other examples i think of uh, developers coming out with a new version i think there's it's it's difficult to come up with a set of rules what i try to apply when I review this type of... uh, And I didn't review Tweetbot 3 uh, for the Mac, but it's happened before. And when this kind of product launches, I try to ask myself, does it feel... Does it feel different enough? Even though I'm always going to pay tap bots and I'm always going to give them... Because I don't see it almost as a purchase. I see it as like a donation. I know that it doesn't necessarily make sense because I'm. it's a transaction. No, um, it, okay. So it does make sense because I do this the same as many other people do. But should it should it have to feel that way? No, right? it, should, it shouldn't feel that way. And so when I, th- when I think about it and I, and I ask myself, if I were somebody who doesn't have this type of relationship with indie developers, that, is it worth it? Uh, and sometimes it, it doesn't really feel like a major upgrade. Um, it, it, it feels more like a 0.5 something update right um because there are things that are still missing that are on ios like yeah i want the activity stats view which is on ios which is still not in the mac version this is supposed to feel like the same app everywhere is my feeling on this right like i'm surprised that there are features that are on one platform and not the other and there may be technical reasons why they can't put the activity stats in it may be api reasons right i don't know what they are but just but that's because i'm a customer like i don't have to know that stuff right like that's not necessarily on me to specifically know the api limitations of why they may not be able to add this feature or that feature and i understand that it can get really frustrating for developers especially of twitter apps who you know like people say like oh why can't you why won't you put votes in like voting in like the polls one star and i know that's frustrating but you can't like assume that everybody knows the way all of this stuff works so 
it's it makes it I think it makes it tricky. It makes it a tricky thing because you, you there like I there are features that are in the iOS version of this app that are not in the Mac version of this app. So and I want those features, and I still don't have those features. I will give them my money. I've given them my money. I will tell listeners here if you like this app, if you like Tweetbot and like Tabbots, support them and give them your money. Right? This is what we do. We do this stuff. But I still think that you should ask the question because it's still people's money, right? Like people are choosing to give you the money that they earned. And I think that everybody needs to just ask themselves sometimes, like, am I getting enough? And there will be people, and I've seen people there. I've Many people that I follow on, on Twitter, some people say this is a no-brainer purchase. I'm really happy. And then there are others who are like, yeah, I might skip this one. Like Tweetbot 2 looks fine for me. And it's kind of like I just I wrestle with this stuff sometimes as like a person in this community that many of my friends make their living doing this stuff. But I think that you can't we we can't be completely blinded by the emotion of the great feeling of supporting indie developers all the time, because that doesn't push people forward. It doesn't push the industry forward. Right, like you cannot escape the actual real economics of the app store. They exist. You cannot like them, but those economics exist. And those economics are everything should be free. That's what the you know, that's what everyone wants. It should be free, and you charge in app purchases to buy a bucket of gems to give you more time in the app. They are the economics, and then everything you do that's not that, you're gonna have a harder time, right? Like that that's what the app store is focused towards right now. An alternative for for apps like Tweetbot, I think we haven't really seen it in social apps very much. We've seen a lot in productivity apps. Is the subscription right? That mm-hmm. what if instead of ten dollars every couple of years, you know, is is that better or worse for tap bots than doing a subscription where I pay them, you know, whatever it is, a dollar a month or you know. Four dollars a quarter, or whatever it is, we're going to assume that they've made those sums, right, and that they've worked out that it's right. not. But I mean, at a certain but point, with- they're already doing this, right? They're already charging ten dollars a year or whatever by by doing new apps again. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know, you know, what the what that turnover is like from mm-hmm. to the new version or whatever. But surely they've done that math. They're smart guys. I know what they're doing. Um, but that's like that is the only alternative, right? It is a new paid app or it's a subscription. And uh, if you don't, if you can't or don't want to go the free route, and uh, this is the older style, right? This is the the older uh, school version of doing it. And, and I don't know if they hit the minimum threshold to be a new app. My gut says probably not. But uh, I was happy to do it because I like the app. It runs my Mac all day every day. But um, you know, I think it is it is at the very least a point to to consider, uh, like you said, the economics of the app store and how that works because developers don't have a don't have any other way. They've got subscriptions and they have this, and if they want to make money, uh, Apple still doesn't do paid upgrades. You know, the best they can do is discount it for a while and hope that brings people over. So, like, I don't envy anyone in this in this position to release a new app on the app store because that's kind of like the worst choice. Uh, from a customer like PR, you know, perspective, mm-hmm. complaint perspective, but uh, clearly it's, it feels like that's what they need to do for their business. Um, 
I think for TweetBot in particular, we'll get into this in a second, is that a subscription doesn't work because the, the future of third-party Twitter clients mm. is not super great. So There's, um, uh, yeah. maybe this f- felt like there was their only option to make uh, make a run at some revenue from TweetBot, you know, maybe one last time. It also doesn't help that as soon as you make these arguments that you try to reason and understand whether um, the feature set makes it worth it to be a new app. Um, you get tons of emails and tweets from angry um, <laughs> angry people. Oh, I'm bracing for impact when the episode goes out, right? Like- and, and I saw this yesterday with John that was trying to make this mm-hmm. argument of, I'm going to give him my money and I'm using the new app, but I wonder if it was really worth it to make it a, to make it a separate purchase for customers. And you get these people that the the first uh, tactic that they employ is the coffee metaphor of well, why don't you wanna give you know ten dollars? It's like two cups of coffee, and it's something that you know the, this argument that these people make all the time. And what it makes sense, I understand because numbers are comparable. Um, I'm sorry to break it to you, but people don't feel the same way about coffee and your app. People love coffee and don't want to give you money for your application. It's a, it's just a simple law of human nature. People uh, are attracted by consumable goods like uh, sodas or coffee, and they don't believe that they should pay for software. Um, so the metaphor makes sense from a numeric standpoint. It doesn't really re- reflect the way that people think and feel about apps. So uh, it's a way to it's a way to end the conversation that doesn't really benefit anyone. Coffee and- is such a bad like the, I I get the the argument but coffee is such a bad example. Yeah. Cuz it's like people are addicted to coffee. Yes. <laughs> like they need it. Yes. In their lives every day to function. Mm-hmm. Like coffee is a bad metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. But but never mind. I mean look, I'm going to say there are some features in this app that, like, now I've paid my £10. I'm like, okay, this is nice, right? Like, I like that the sidebar, you can put up, you can, like, drop down and have way more stuff in there so it's more accessible. I like that all the animations in the app are way cleaner. It is nicer in basically every way except for some weirdness. But this is not what I have come to expect from Tapbots. Like... Every time they have done a, a pay us money for a new version, it's like it's much bigger, right? Like Tweetbot 3 on iOS was huge. It yeah. added all of the activity stuff. It added multi-column. It gave us an incredible iPad app, right? Like that was a really big A new design. Update. A new design also. Brand new design. And like this one is like, this is a nice update, but it is not a huge update. And especially because like the Mac app is more expensive anyway, right? Um, so yeah, I think that this is a good example of needing to have this conversation, which I think is an important one. And I understand that it is it is a minefield. And look, we we continue to support indie app developers as we always will, but we're also just regular people in the world. And there are a lot more regular people in the world than there are app developers. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think it is worth having these debates. Um, to try and make sure that we're keeping things in a real view and trying not to be too stuck in our echo chamber, which we're in 95% of the time. But sometimes it's worth looking at these things with a slightly fresh pair of eyes. And I hope that this conversation has helped people do that. So let's talk about why none of this matters. 
Stephen? <laughs> oh, oh. Can you tell us uh, about why we all need to give people money and hopefully it will keep them around? Yes. Well, sure. So remember a couple of weeks ago, there was that website, Apps of a Feather, and it was a, an open letter describing the account activity API change coming to Twitter. And basically what this boils down to is the way that third-party Twitter clients pull data from the service is being turned off. And it was supposed to be in June, and then uh, Twitter said they would give them three months' notice, but said they're giving people two months' notice, and it's now going to be closed off in August. So, you know, good job counting their Twitter. And this means a couple of things. Uh, it means that third-party apps, uh, they will still work. And so I got into it with some people on Twitter, which I regret. Um, I shouldn't have walked into this conversation, but uh, these apps aren't dead. Like they still will get tweets. You can still reply, but it is a, a really bad blow against their functionality. And so after this old API is shut down and these, and these, if these developers move over to the new account activity API, and my guess is that some Twitter clients won't get updated and they'll just die, right? Like older ones that are still floating around. But um, according to uh, a couple of different interviews, with a couple of different developers, this is what this new API means. It means that there are no notifications for likes or retweets. Uh, and we can get into what we think about these. I just want to get to the list. Um, notifications for tweets, mentions, DMs, and quotes will be delayed uh, because basically these apps have to move to a fetching system as opposed to streaming. And so your timeline is going to be a minute or two behind because it has to fetch every 60 seconds or something. Um, in a way, this is very much how Twitter apps started life before the streaming API, but that API is going away, being replaced by this. Uh, additional access can be had, but it is prohibitively expensive for uh, indie developers. Like uh, Craig Hockenberry had a tweet uh, a couple of minutes ago. He was looking at it, uh, saying that it's a ballpark of ten dollars uh, per user per month to get access to those notifications. And uh, I don't know about y'all, and I love Twitter, uh, the service, not the company. Um, and I like Tweetbot, but I'm I'm not paying ten dollars a month. Like, just forget that. So, uh, so that's not really an option. It depends. Right? Um, it depends on what I'm paying for. So, like, well, you'd be paying for those things. You'd be paying for notifications, yeah. for likes and retweets, uh, instant notifications. Basically, you're paying for your app to work the way it does now. I mean, if anything, Twitter should pay me to keep using the service. I mean, that, that that's just. I me. mean, maybe. Uh, <laughs> So like I said, the apps will the apps that move over to this will still function, but that they're going to have these limitations. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, this is not enough for me to move away from no. Tweetbot because I don't have notifications on for anything except DMs, and I don't yeah whatever they they don't have to. So be that we're gonna timely. lose notifications. We're gonna lose notifications and streaming. That that's what we're losing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You, or using, you're losing notifications for likes and retweets, period. And other notifications are going to be delayed okay. because they have to fetch. So for me, that's not a huge deal. But I understand that I'm in the minority of people uh, in, in the way that mm. I use Twitter. Most people have all those notifications on. They want to see them. They want it to be no, instant. No and so I do think there's going to be a large number of people who this is the end of the road for their third-party experience and that they will uh, they will move over to the official Twitter app so they have all these features yeah, I'm gonna really struggle to say this without sounding like, and it, like, just say it. 
Just do it, Mike. You've already made people mad today, so just I'm go gonna, for it. Okay, I'm going to really struggle to say this without sounding like I think I'm really important. So I would say uh. that the majority of people that get a lot of interaction on Twitter probably don't have these notifications turned on. Exactly. Like some retweets, <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 Sure. The majority of people that have these notifications turned on probably don't get that many. So mm-hmm. it's not important. Yeah. That's my feeling yeah. on this. Don't I am feel so bad. sorry. I mean, I'm so no, sorry that it makes bad. me sound we, this way. But No, we have know. followers because we, we have an audience and there, there's nothing to feel bad about that. Like um, I have, I, I mean, I don't have the largest follower count in the world. I have like 30,000 followers. If, you know, and some, and you know, most tweets that I publish, nobody's ever saying anything about them. But like every now and then, like I had a tweet the other day that got retweeted a bunch and it had 600 likes within like an hour. My phone would explode, right? Like I, so that's mm-hmm. why I don't have those notifications turned on. I just feel like, yes, this sucks, but this is not going to kill third party apps. Like it, it won't. Like, for example, the timeline fetching slowly. Paul Haddad of Tweetbot says that on iOS... When you're on LTE, this is already happening with like the slower yeah. timeline polling, mm-hmm. and no one even yeah. noticed, right? Like, who noticed that? <laughs> like, I really, th- and then I think, like, the other thing, like, notifications for mentions, quotes, DMs, and following being delayed, I think it's the exact same thing. I think that the majority of people that have this stuff turned on are not getting so many that it's going to be super important to get them within seconds. And like the only one I can imagine is DMs. And if but there are a million messaging services you can use to if you need immediacy. Like this at best feels like inconveniences and it will affect third parties because people will think this is very bad. So the message gets spread around that, like, this is really bad. So people think it's really bad. But I think the actuality of it, like what, how, how people would actually be affected if they didn't pay attention to doom and gloom, they would be okay. Like, it wouldn't, they maybe not even notice. But the problem is stuff like this happens, and then you see a bunch of people talking about how it's going to kill third-party clients, and then everybody thinks third-party clients are going to get killed. So then they just stop using them and that's the problem Mm -hmm. which is the conversation i wandered into earlier trying to say that and and then people who make twitter apps got mad yeah and they're gonna get mad at me again but like because they understand i mean and i understand where they're coming from that like this is going to affect them i get it but i just don't think that it should i think people were reacting to it in like too harshly yeah like this is bad like it's not it's not good and i think all i think all of us would prefer it not happen like honestly, I wish that Tweetbot and Twitter, if it could build everything that the first party Twitter. Yeah, I want them to. Ha- I want them to be better. Like I want them to have everything, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. can't do it. But Twitter, the company, has deemed in its. Um, uh, I don't want to use the word wisdom because it's not that. But whatever it is that Twitter's leadership is doing in, they've decided that this is the route they're going to take. And the reality is, it could be much worse. Like Twitter could say, you know what, mm-hmm. no third party mm-hmm. API access. 
right? Like uh, Facebook just did that with Instagram. Like they shut down almost all API access in and out of Instagram. And that could very well happen to Twitter. And, and honestly, it's surprising it hasn't happened. And so if this means that TweetBot's going to be a little slow and I don't get the notifications that I already don't want, then like I am fine. And I think a lot of users... Because here's the thing. People... People who use third-party Twitter clients, like they understand, I think, for the most part, the situation they're in by doing so, right? Because Twitter is free. It shows up in the App Store as Twitter Inc. Mm -hmm. Like most people just go there. And uh, there are going to be people who leave. And I think there are going to be people who would have bought TweetBot if they had heard about it before this. But maybe now that they see there's a bigger difference, maybe they won't. Like no doubt it's bad for their business, right? Like TweetBot and Twitterific and whoever else is out there like – their business is going to suffer for this, and that sucks. Like, and I'm really sorry. But running around saying that third-party Twitter cl- clients are dead is just not true. Like, it's not yeah. the actual case. They've been dealt a really bad blow, and they're limping along. But for users who still really want that experience, like for me, like I loathe the first-party Twitter app so much. I will use, uh, I will continue to use a hobble tweet bot as long as possible because I hate the mm-hmm. first-party app that much. Uh, and there, I think there's lots of people who use TweetBot for that reason who will continue to use it for that reason after this. You know, it's not like a, a Twitter has the ability to make their first party app good all of a sudden because they, they're limiting the API access to third parties. So until that happens, I think a lot of us are just going to stay put, and that's fine. I think what, what we're trying to say, and, and I don't know if we're doing a good job of saying it, is this will affect third parties because of what people think their access is going to be like or when they go on and realize that something's not updating anymore and then they get annoyed about it and it will affect them but like i think what we're trying to say is there isn't actually that much of an effect to most people Mm -hmm. but people perceive that effect as bad yeah i think right like i think of all of all the features they could have cut from the API, um, the ones that they have chosen will have probably minimal impact on the way that people use third-party clients for. Mm-hmm. And it's not like they are shutting down access completely, like a few years ago when the old API died, and suddenly, like if you open, if you try to open the original Tweety, um, you see a blank page yeah. because it, the old API does not exist anymore. This is not what's happening now, and it's not, and it's not even that they are preventing some aspects from loading at all. Like you get no more direct messages or you get no more replies. No, you just don't get the notifications, which is the alert of a new reply, of a new message, and the timeline doesn't stream. But in most cases, um, it feels like a fair uh, compromise. And I say compromise because, yes, we're dealing with a company that controls the API, and the writing has been on the wall for years now. Everybody knows that Twitter doesn't like these third-party clients that Mm -hmm. are still around. So if this is what you need to do to survive, I think we'll be fine. Uh, Ideally... The third-party client should have all the features of Twitter, but that's ideally. In practice, this is what we have, and uh, I think it will be okay. I think as a way to maybe try and tie all of this together, I think what we're trying to get at here is if this happens and it does affect things the way that it does, don't move away from your third-party client. Like, Just keep trying to use it for a while and continue <laughs> to support those developers because, frankly... 
even with those features removed, Tweetbot and Twitterific will still be better iOS apps than mm-hmm. the official Twitter app. Like, they're still going to be chronological. <laughs> they're still going to be beautiful. They're still going to be well-considered. Like, they will continue to be better apps. And I, and as somebody who turned off notifications a long time ago for a lot of this stuff, yes. trust me yes. that your life will probably be better for yes. not getting them. Like, that's what I wanted to say. Like, <laughs> I mean, even if they're a bit slower, that's fine. That will be better for you. Just, just spend like, less again, time on Twitter. I know, I know <laughs> you think to yourself, like, oh, I really... Like, I felt that way, right? I felt like I really... Like, I I loved those notifications. Like I don't even have notifications for DM on Twitter because like for me personally, most of the people that are, that DM me on Twitter, they probably have a better way to get in touch with me and typically do that, right? Like the the, the, the amount of Twitter DMs that I get are, are minimal and most people that send me DMs, I think they send them knowing that I'll just get to them when I get to them. Nobody's sending me urgent stuff on Twitter DM or stuff that I can't get back to in a couple of hours, right? Like it's never like nothing's burning down people will text me or whatever like i just really it's just like look this is not great because of the effect it will have like percept from a perception perspective but like if you're listening to this show just go and continue using the apps that you're using just continue using them and i promise you you'll be fine remember uh what if uh, what if I what if I followed your suggestions and I start using the Twitter client like you said and I die? Is that a new mic? That was. Do you remember that time when you uh, when you <laughs> used the Twitter app and like were advocating for it? Do you remember that? Well, okay. So you want to do this? Let's do this. No, um, I don't want to do it. I don't. Okay, go on. Do it. <laughs> Just thirty seconds. I would use the Twitter app. If only they supported Timeline Sync and yeah. they offered a better iPad version. Because honestly, the the real Twitter is what you get in the real Twitter app. Um, like the f- Not real, the full Twitter experience is what you get in the official app. But I can get over these two features. The fact that the timeline doesn't sync and that the iPad app is... I don't want, uh, terrible doesn't even describe what it is. It's like a joke of a piece of software that was put together by someone who doesn't even understand what a tablet is. Um, so I can get over these two negative aspects, but I would use Twitter uh, if it were that way <laughs> because I I do like the features and the design uh, and the way that links are displayed. I like many things of the official app, and I understand why people use it. Like lots of people don't want to use Tweetbot or Twitterific because they prefer the official experience. I'm, you know, I just have those two issues, but um, I would switch if only, you know, if only they offered that. So I really like Tweetbot three on the Mac, by the way. And I'm not making a joke. I actually think it's very nice. <laughs> I've been poking around like now like I'm just poking around I love all the animations they're actually really good it's a nice app it's a nice app but it's I'm trying to sign into the Mac App Store to buy it and it doesn't work I will uh, say so I probably... for me it is a nice app that just meets the bar of me being happy to pay for it like it just meets it for me um, I've there's enough in there where I'm happy but my bar I know my bar is way lower than most people because I buy apps for my hashtag work. Are we done with this topic? We still have more to go, but are we done with this topic? I think so. Remember, like, be nice to us if you disagree. Like, just be nice. Just, just, just give us some, some, 
something to to discuss with you. Like, don't don't tell us that you hate us. We're just be trying ni- our best. Be, ni- be nice to others in general. Be nice to like, everyone. You know. Good, good yeah. advice. Good advice. Yeah. That's on the best I love you on the scale. Yes, uh, of course. Today's episode is brought to you by Skillshare, an online learning community with over 20,000 classes in technology, design, business, and more. A Skillshare premium membership gives you unlimited access to high-quality classes, leaving you free to master must-know topics. It's a great way to improve your skills, unlock new opportunities, and help you do the work that you love. With Skillshare, you can take courses on, for example, web development. They have a great course called Understanding Web Development, where you can learn all the basics and explore explore your options for long-term web development and see all the different avenues that you might want to go down. Or what about Going Freelance, which is a great course for anyone keen to commit to the free agent lifestyle with tips and advice for taking that leap into freelance work, which you can obviously assume we all care about very deeply on this show, uh, considering that we all took the leap of in the last few years or so. I mean, I think Federico has been self-employed for a decade now or something, but you know, it's true. You know, maybe you should teach the course. Uh, You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer just for connected listeners. You can get two months of Skillshare for just 99 cents, 99 cents. Come on. That's less than a cup of coffee. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash connected. That is Skillshare.com slash connected to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Think of how many things you could learn over two months for less than a dollar. Head there now and start learning today. Our thanks to Skillshare for their support of this show. So let's talk about this, uh, something else fun and uplifting. Today. I'm gonna be in class next action week. lawsuits. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Away he okay. goes into the um, ether. So Apple has been served a class action lawsuit over defective keyboards in the MacBook and MacBook Pro. So this was filed in uh, North California, and uh, it alleges a couple things. So it says that um, starting in 2015 with the butterfly keyboard and the MacBook. Uh, those keyboards fail when dust or debris uh, comes underneath the keyboard. Keystrokes fail to register. We've all talked about this at length. Uh, as a result of the defect, I'm quoting now, consumers who purchased a MacBook face a constant threat of non-responsive keys and accompanying keyboard failure. When one or more of the keys of the keyboard fail, the MacBook can no longer serve its core function, typing. So this, uh, I think that outlines the problem pretty well. Debris gets under the key, the key gets sticky, and then it fails. Here's the kicker of this. I'm going to quote again. Apple knew that the MacBook is a defective at or before the time it began selling the affected models to the public. Complaints of the keyboard failures began to come in shortly after the 2015 MacBook was launched. Despite its awareness of the keyboard defect, Apple equipped future model MacBook and MacBook Pro laptops with the butterfly keyboard and continued selling these laptops to consumers at premium prices. So this is... Uh, it's, it's some heavy-duty stuff, right? So they're saying, hey, this keyboard has an issue, but the heart of this is that Apple knew that and then moved forward by expanding that keyboard uh, onto other products. The complaint cites a bunch of user complaints, uh, threads on Apple's own support forums, a 22,000-signature uh, petition over at change.org, which, as we all know, is what makes change happen in the world. There's a bunch of signatures on a website. This is pretty rough, right? Like this is, uh, I mean, it's easy to like roll our eyes at class action lawsuits. And I think, you know, that's, that's definitely one way to go about this. But I think there are a couple things worth talking about here. Uh, one 
uh, is there merit in the statement that Apple knew it was a problem and they put it on the MacBook Pros anyways? Because the the MacBook and MacBook Pro keyboard is slightly different. It is engineered to have a better feel, but it's the same mechanism. If you pry the keycap off with with the same amount of key travel, it's just sort of designed to be softer at the bottom of the key press. Uh, and then there's a bit in here talking about uh, warranty obligations, which we can get to in a minute. So, so what do you guys think? Do you think this is this is just like bananas talk, or do you think that there's something to the idea that Apple was aware that there may be a reliability problem, but decide to roll the dice i think it is tricky to categorically make the claim um i think that you could make it and believe it i think you could make it with evidence that they have right like that surely they were getting user complaints and surely there were um lots and lots of apple support forum threads but i mean we don't we don't fully we don't fully understand um, the extent to which this problem has affected people. I know many people it has affected. My MacBook Pro, I had it out yesterday, and uh, it was making some really weird clicking noises at some keys. You know, like it, it does that. I have the original one. Um, it makes makes some funny funny sounds every now and then uh, when you when you type in on it. But we don't we don't hundred percent know uh the actual ramif- like how, how bad this is like how much worse it is than usual that kind of thing like i think that we can all make some really good um estimations on it and that i think we'd all feel pretty accurate to say that this is worse than it's been before and that they are less reliable i, I think that it is tricky to like just categorically make the claim that they definitely knew about it did nothing about it and shipped it I think that that is, you know, but this is the legal language, right? This is the language that they will present to try and put this into a court so a court will look at it. I, I've i been frustrated by some of the headlines that I've seen from what I would consider to be reputable outlets over the last couple of days who just go with the headline, Apple knew keyboards were defective. Like they take it as a quote from this suit and like make that their headline. I think that that is... I have actually seen a few uh, places update their headlines since, right? To be like, this this suit alleges because they were going for something a little bit clickbaity. I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, clearly there is a problem here. I think that the class action lawsuit is going to, is not, it's just not going to do anything. I think that this would be the same as all other class action lawsuits where like maybe something will happen in six years time where everybody gets like two cents uh, for, for it. But this isn't going to be the thing. Like, if something's going to change Apple's mind on these keyboards, this is not that thing. Like, this class action lawsuit filed by these three people in Northern California is not going to be like the whoa. Like, it's not going to. Someone's not going to run into Tim Cook's office and he like presses a big red button and stops production <laughs> on MacBook Pros and they start again, right? Like, they were either going to make changes or they weren't going to make changes. They may have been aware of it when the uh, before they shipped the twenty. 17 2016 whenever the update was macbook pros but like it just they just couldn't feasibly make the change in time because they couldn't make huge enough changes so they made slight changes which may have made it better or may not i don't know i don't think we know um i expect to see this year new keyboards again like whether it fixes the problem i don't know but i expect to see some change again um i i just think that this that I know why we're talking about this, right? Like, I, I understand why we're talking about this. Um, I don't think that this is a bad discussion to have, but I think that it is... Uh, 
ultimately not worth paying attention to this lawsuit, but it is uh, just another point on the conspiracy theory board, right? Like that you can draw your string between to get to the final answer of Apple changes their keyboard. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think you're right that this isn't... <laughs> Apple's not suddenly surprised that, oh gosh, people are saying there's problems, right? Like Apple is aware of how people feel about this machine. And there was an article on Apple Insider, they compiled a bunch of data. Uh, I haven't read this in detail, so I don't... I don't really know like what data they pulled but they they report that the keyboard fails twice as often as on older models it's still got to be a small number it's not like 80 percent of the keyboards are failing uh but there's no doubt in my mind that it's higher than previous ones i i guess that yeah the the question is kind of leaving the lawsuit behind for a minute because i agree with you like this these things don't change much in the world um but it is interesting to think about how apple is or should be responding to the the keyboard issue itself. You know, the the lawsuit has a phrase, refuses to honor its warranty obligations. Like, I ran into that uh, last year when I had a key completely come off my keyboard after failing. And we talked about it. I won't rehash it. Um, But the store wanted to charge me like 400 bucks for repair, and I said no. And their manager ended up uh, waiving the repair fee, and they replaced the top case. And I've heard very mixed things from people since then. That sometimes Apple covers it, no questions, uh, no questions asked. Sometimes they say, like they did in my case, hey, that's accidental damage. It's like, how? A piece of dust got under it. It's not like I placed the dust there with a pair of tweezers to break my computer. Um, but Apple needs to standardize with the, how they're going to treat customers like this. Because especially if you buy Apple AppleCare, uh, this should be something that they take care of. Because it is is a fault that is, is not... Um, at the feet of their customers. It's at the feet of their design. The, uh, the other side of it is though, like what about people without Apple care or what happens to these machines when Apple care runs out? And I strongly believe Apple should open what's called an REP. It's a repair extension program, which what these do, um, you may be familiar with them is it covers a very particular failure on a model of computer or sometimes just like our serial number range. Like, so sometimes it's like, Hey, this, this iPhone built between May and the second week of June had this one problem and we'll replace them. Um, so this would be a pretty wide ranging one, but it would be, Hey, if you have a MacBook or MacBook pro with a style keyboard and you experience a failure out of warranty, we will cover that repair for you. Even if you don't, even if you did not buy Apple care, most of the time a repair extension program runs three years. So it's, it basically is Apple Care for that one problem. So, like, if you have a, a MacBook Pro with this and you don't buy Apple Care and the screen dies, well, you're out of luck. But are the warranties up on these MacBook Pros? The limited warranties are if you only did a year. Mm-hmm. There are lots of these machines mm-hmm. coming out of warranty every day now. Um, they're all right. still because I was going to say, like, you under. I mean, I know you do, but I just want to make the point. You understand why there isn't an REP on this yet, right? They. No, they should have one now because there are machines out of warranty. Like, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, no, I know the the like the moral reason, but like if they're going to do this, they're not going to do this until they have new products. Right. So they they can't do this until there's something new for sale. I can't. Yeah. I was I was actually trying to think earlier today about that. I can't think of a time where Apple has had an REP on a product that's still for sale. Uh, if you know of one, let yeah, me know because I'd be interested like, to correct that. But I I agree they should, but the problem is they're like, 
the keyboards we are currently selling break. Please buy our computers. Right. I think that that's 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 that w- that is probably what they're facing. If they if they are going to do this, I don't think that they will do this until there is a new MacBook Pro available, which is bad. But that's business. Man, I, people are going to hate me today. I love all of you listeners. You're all amazing. Please love me back. Um, but like you know, I just think like, I don't think that they, I think that they should fix people's computers. I think that they should do them. But like the reason that they probably haven't had anything like this yet and that they're not addressing this yet is because if they address it then they have to say that the computers that are currently for sale in their stores are defective and i just can't imagine them doing that yeah it's gonna have to be after a product revision and say apple has new laptops for us in three weeks uh during the keynote and the best we're gonna get from them even then is oh the keyboard has been improved right and it will be up to people like iFixit to take it apart and understand what that means. And part of it's going to be proved out over time. Like I, you know, I'm using the 2015 MacBook Pro and I'm not going to rush out and replace it with a 2018 one if that machine exists in three weeks until I know that this issue is behind them. So uh, so we'll see. I expect that we'll see an REP by the end of the year. Um, and I would expect Apple to quietly be taking care of customers who come into the Genius Bar with this problem that they would uh, that they would not charge these users for these repairs, and they need to standardize that. Because uh, my understanding is, at least very recently, emailing with some some listeners that uh, that's not the case everywhere, and so Apple needs to standardize that because it leaves people stuck, right? Like if you bought a um, if you bought an expensive computer and the keyboard doesn't work, you're, it's a real bummer. Good times. I- I hope they will fix it, I, uh, and I think that they will. Um, I, we'll see. All right, I want to tell you about Layers. Uh, it's our final sponsor this week. Layers is a design-focused, developer-friendly conference. It's an amazing experience for anyone working in the tech industry. It takes place on June 4th to 6th, right around the corner from WWDC in San Jose. They have an incredible lineup featuring a diverse array of speakers of incredible accomplishments and stories. People like Jessica Heesh and Angela Guzman. Uh, Jessica is an incredible lettering designer. Uh, Angela Guzman was one of the original Apple emoji designers. They have a huge lineup. Um, I think they have someone who worked at disney who's going to talk about like what it's like to build disney parks i think i saw that go by the other day like there is just like an amazing array of things at layers um layers mostly focuses on design but it's for everyone you know like if you don't do design you can go and listen to some really interesting talks they can help spark other ideas maybe for some other different types of work and projects that you do these types of conference talks can just be illuminating in different ways i, I can't imagine that anyone's going to break out an illustrator file and show you how to do something um you know it's, it's going to be fun inspiring and cool cool talks um it's arranged by uh, and organized by jessica char and elaine powell uh they are uh, ex-apple employees i think that this definitely shows in how they sweat the details of the conference i've been to layers uh, in the past i'm going to be going again this year um, everything is awesome there if you're going to be in san jose for wwdc you should really consider adding layers to your own list of activities and if you're going to be attending our relay fm live show uh, we had to make a change to our venue recently and we wouldn't have been able to get this in place without the help um, of jesse so uh, we have a lot to thank for them and you should go and check it out uh, layers.is 
is where you can go and find out more. And if you buy yourself a ticket, you can get $50 off with the code RELAY at checkout. That's layers.is. Um, our thanks to Layers for their support of this show. So let's 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 settle on a on a on a fun note. Um, let's talk about some iPhone cases <laughs> and a, a Bluetooth thing. So Stephen, what are these iPhone cases, and why are you so excited about them? Spigen, who make cases, right? Like they they're a case company. They have an Indiegogo campaign. Which I, I don't know why marketing. This is on Indiegogo. It's marketing. But anyways, it's marketing. That's why they've done it. Like these things are shipping in like a couple of weeks because they raised a hundred. Because they raised a hundred grand in a day. That's yeah. why <laughs> they 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 raised more money because they did this is an Indiegogo campaign because yes. then everybody covered it, right? Like yeah. this is that's why they do it. A lot of companies do this stuff. Um, so, anyways, uh, they have a couple of cases. One is called the uh, the C One, and it is designed to be reminiscent of the iMac G Three, everyone's favorite CRT based Mac from the late nineties. Uh, and they have one called the, um, maybe it's also the C1 or the classic one. I don't know. Their names are confusing. Anyways, they have another one that looks like an original iPhone. So it's like a silver back with a black part at the bottom. That's called the okay. classic, I think. And then the C1 yeah. is the iMac. So anyways, um, I backed this to get the uh, the iMac looking case. And uh, it looks fun. And I think people gravitated toward this just because it because it mm. is fun. Because... Uh, the IMAX had its anniversary, like we've talked about, and I think it's just a, a fun design for people who know what it is. And so I think, you know, Apple fans have been excited. Old people gravitate towards this stuff. Uh-huh. Because I, I mean, I, I, I love the fact that the IMAX saved Apple, but I couldn't care less about putting some plastic around my iPhone 10. Honestly. I mean, just, I love you, man, but this stuff is for old guys. I don't think it's for people much older than us. Like, I really, like, like five years max. You're only like two years older than us, but you care so deeply about this stuff. <laughs> it's, uh, it's my whole thing, man. Everyone has their thing, man. Everyone yeah. has their thing. I have pens. You have, uh, what do you have? Amiibo. Amiibo, yeah. There you go. You have Amiibo. They are a new, they are an, a modern new product. I don't know. Some of them are evoking back to NES. It's the same thing. All right. Well, I, so anyways. I, lo- I love you all the same, yeah. but you know. So anyways, uh, that's, that's a product you should go check out. There's a link in the show notes. This other thing is super interesting to me. No, 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 I'm not done. I want to talk about this case. I want to talk about these cases more. (laughs) Because I think they do look cool, but they look huge, though. Exactly. Huge. Just like 600 pieces. They look massive. Like, I don't think that you're... They're so thick. They're so thick. Right? I'm not on my own here. They are really They are big. really thick. It looks like a battery case. There better be some battery it inside. It does look like a battery case. There isn't. Oh, no. It does look like a battery case. I hadn't thought of that until now. It has a CRT in there somewhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I, I, this is clearly they have this like three-piece thing, which I guess like, I don't know what it does. Like it, I guess it makes it stronger in some way. They call it shock-absorbing thermoplastic polyurethane. Okay. It's, it's my favorite. Sure. Same from the original iMac. It's the same material. I, I know, Stephen. I know you're going to be really excited to get these, but you're uh, not I'm sure use that this. I uh, will have it on as a joke sometimes. But I carry my iPhone uh, without mm-hmm. a case. I really, really, really like the design of these. Like, I would get the 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 C1, but it's too thick for me. Like, I want to see what it looks like. Maybe the renderings make it look a bit thicker than it is, but. 
it, I think Federico's right. Like in the images that they're showing, it makes it look like like the size of a battery case, and I'm not willing to have a case of that thickness unless there's actually battery in it. But we'll see. But they do look really great, though. Like they look really good, and we're gonna know soon because they're shipping real soon, right? Because I think they're already making these things. Yeah, I think uh, starting to ship next week. So for early yeah. backers. Oh, let's talk about this uh, Twelve South thing. So Twelve South have made a product called the Airfly. Uh, which is a Bluetooth adapter um, for wireless headphones. It works with the AirPods, but any any Bluetooth uh, headphones we have to connect to it. The reason this is interesting is it is a Bluetooth adapter that on the other end of it is a 3.5 millimeter jack. So you can plug this into anything that has a standard headphone jack and connect your AirPods or Bluetooth headphones to it. I'm kind of surprised that like the, a lot of these things don't exist already. I'm sure there must I be some. I think some but exist, um, actually, yeah. So what you're saying is, if you want to listen to a cassette, like a Walkman, with your AirPods, this is the way to do it. Yes. This is the way to do it. I'm sure Casey Um, will be excited about that. They have called it the AirFly because they're really kind of trying to like push that this is good for in-flight entertainment systems. Totally is, right? Like, I think this is becoming a bigger and bigger problem for people Uh, that all of our headphones are Bluetooth and we get onto planes and we can't connect to the in-flight entertainment systems. don't, Don't use AirPods on a plane. Like... It's, I have many. Th- you can, you and can. I have, and yeah, it's fine. I do. No. Yeah, Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, you a, totally can. You, you, you totally can. can. You, you can. You shouldn't, though, <laughs> because what? Right. But the other thing is that, like, even if you don't use AirPods, everybody's moving to Bluetooth headphones because you you haven't got a three point five millimeter jack on your phone anymore. See, so, like, that I understand. Yes, but right. I just, so you, you know, know the thought of having an AirPod roll under the seat of someone else on a plane. It's just sounds... And I know that it happened to you once, Mike. No, it wasn't an AirPods. I dropped the cap of my oh, Apple the pencil. cap of the Apple Well, it's a similar situation, right? I mean, you don't, you don't mm-hmm. want to be the guy on a plane just looking under the seats for an AirPod. Uh, it just sounds... Yeah, I lost it until we landed and it rolled out and hit me on the foot and it was one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um, but I like the look of this product. I'm like... I'm keen to see what people say of it because I thought, oh, that could work with the Nintendo Switch, right? Like, I don't know what the lag is going to be like, but it's a cool, it's a cool little thing. Like, I think that it is useful. Like, they're also saying you could use it in gym equipment. You could really could use it anywhere, but like, they're just trying to show a different couple places to use it. And I think that you know, this is another dongle, but it's it's probably a good one. I mean, it lasts eight hours. Recharge it recharges via USB. Um, I wished it could recharge with Lightning, though, wouldn't that be great? But I guess this isn't something they could probably get MFI certified for obvious reasons, because it's like showing maybe a not great thing about Apple's product lineup now that like we're all using Bluetooth headphones, and then you realize in any other when you want to connect to anything else in the world, you can't. Um, so this is this is a product that is born out of necessity, uh, but I like the look of it. I think it's cool. I think it's a cool idea um, made by. And I guess you know, even if these things do exist in other places, at least this is made by a company that you know mostly, right? Like you, they have a good track record. They make good products. Like um, I think we all have or have had twelve South products in our lives, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So we know they make good stuff. So it's cool for that. Um, but what do you use on the plane, Federico? What headphones are you using? Well, I use a pair of Lightning um, uh, earbuds, uh, the Pioneer. 
uh, um, like, uh, Pioneer Race Plus. They are lightning uh, earbuds that plug into the iPhone and also have a lightning pass-through so that you can charge your phone mm. and listen at the same time. And in addition to having a pretty good sound quality for you know the earbuds, uh, they have uh, noise cancellation. So I can isolate the engine the engine noise yeah these are those ones that go in the ear though right like they go in the mm, they they are in ear earbuds yes yeah. um yeah, can't do that. But uh, they are—they have a wire, so they, I cannot lose them. And they plug into the phone, and I can also charge my phone at the same time. And I just—I am really—I'm really adverse to the idea of these tiny AirPods. You know, the, the risk of losing them uh, because I use them all the time. Otherwise, I just—the idea of having to ask other people on a plane to look for my AirPods. Uh, nope. So uh, I. Yeah, you just gotta let them go at that point. You know, they're 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 to the world now. They belong <laughs> they to the world. They now. belong to the plane. <laughs> uh huh. That's it. They're they're the plane. They are the plane's AirPods now. <laughs> they're not yours. So yeah. There's a. I think this sort of stuff is happening a lot more. I've noticed on some uh, flights recently that there's an announcement I've never heard. This is new to me within the last few months. Uh, if you drop something under the seat, please ask an attendant to come and help you don't try and get it out yourself yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because you could lose a hand in those seats i reckon <laughs> right like uh, i don't think plain seats are very good like for you to just be just like shoving your hand around nope. inside nope. plus just from a cleanliness perspective you just don't want to be doing that right yeah. like cr- the amount of crumbs that must exist in the in between those cushions i mean it's also kind of weird like, if, you, if you, i mean you're maybe you're sitting and suddenly there's a hand from someone else you know reaching under your yep. seat and you, you just see the well, hand and you've got all the safety stuff yeah, right yeah. like you, you know you don't want to like open up a, a like life jacket accidentally um yeah yeah and you know some of them have like batteries and stuff for the uh, in-flight entertainment. It's like, just, you just don't want to be digging around in there. Yeah. But it's funny to me, I just assumed that as we're using more wireless devices, things are starting to get lost a lot more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, there's some cool stuff. Uh, just to finish out what has been a challenging show. I think we've all been adversarial for everyone uh, today. I hope that, uh, that, that, that we have provided content that you have enjoyed. Um, Stephen, can you please close us out? Yes. Uh, if you want to find links, all the stuff we talked about this week, uh, you can do so in your podcast app or on the website, relay.fm slash connected slash 193. Remember to go bid on that Logitech mouse user manual. And uh, we're very excited to see who wins that. If you want to get in touch with us, um, I mean, you could just do it on Twitter. Don't worry about email this week. We can skip email this week. Uh, you can d- find us on Twitter. We all tweet as I-M-Y-K-E. Just all three of us use that account all the time now. It's a shared account. Um, it's a shared mm-hmm. account. If the spelling is wrong, it's me. Uh, if the spelling uh, is is correct and uh, there's some fancy words, uh, that was Federico. Um, <laughs> and if if there is a level of high engagement, lots of replies... Uh, just, just general mirth uh, and 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 good vibes. That's Stephen. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been described as someone with good vibes, but I'll, I'll take it. Uh, so yeah, good just, vibes. just tweet at iMike, and uh, yep, it will be fine. Uh, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Linode, Skillshare, and the Layers Conference, and uh, we'll be back. So we have just a couple of weeks before WWDC. So next uh... week, 
Next week is our uh, we'll have a regular show, and the week after that, the week after that, we are going to have our pre WWDC episode, and so we are going to repeat what we did last year, which is not necessarily predictions about what Apple will do, but things that would make us the most happy, mm-hmm. which we had a lot of fun with last year. So we're going to do that again. Uh, so look for that in a couple of weeks. But we'll be back. Uh, I next. can predict, Stevens. It's just. Uh... Keyboards. keyboards like just keyboards falling from the sky and they're made of aqua hmm. plastic i mean they would still be better than what they're shipping today so there it is okay there we go we got it we did it until next time boys say goodbye <laughs> Arrivederci. what do i say again cheerio is it- you say cheerio come on cheerio adios